Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to the fifth and final teaching class in our series, Adventures in Faith with Abraham. We're finishing off this teaching series with a class on, well, essentially on parenting by the Danet family. But don't worry if you're not a parent. There's much in this class that will be beneficial for you because we're looking ultimately at the faith of Abraham. Now, why Abraham and parenting? Because we have very few examples in the scriptures of, you could say, successful parenting, if you want to put it that way, but also an example of the whole of family life of a family in such detail as we have it in the book of Genesis. So we learn a lot of lessons about the way that God and a, and a family interact and what that means. So as you hear from Tim and Chevy and Alice and Ben, I think you'll find a lot of benefit for you, again, whether you're a parent or not. It does say in Romans chapter 4, and uh, in the middle of that chapter, talking about Abraham, that he is the father of us all. So if we can learn some things about how he parented and what lessons are from his parenting, then we're going to learn better what it means that he is the, the father of us all. Well, I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear and to see from the Dannett family. Today, we're going to talk about having God focus families. Abraham is an inspiring example for us about needing God. Abraham, just like us, needed God. In our family, we have a saying, without God... We fall to pieces. It comes from an experience in my childhood. I had an uncle David, my mother's brother, who had a breakdown when he was 20 and never recovered. It's a great blessing for us to have spiritual children who have God as a source of their strength and stability. In Genesis 22, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, we read. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkeys. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Here we see Abraham shows tremendous assertiveness, which is great for us to imitate. It's sometimes difficult, but we need to be assertive in making time for our children. We need to be assertive in making time to teach them the priority of reading and praying. We need to be assertive in teaching our children to need God. I want to encourage us today to be assertive as we teach our children about God. Thank you. Hi, everyone. For my part of um, talking about God-centred families, I wanted to talk a bit about pressure. 
Um, this is something I have seen in my life a lot, um, especially as a child and now an adult. Um, but I think I've seen it reading through um, Abraham's story too. So if you read in um, Genesis 16, um, verse uh, 1 to 2, we read about Sarah. It says, uh, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. And what I like about this story is I think we see two pressures here at work in Sarai. Um, one, the pressure to have children. I think partly probably from God's promise to Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. Sarah's feeling like, oh my gosh, how is that going to happen with me? Um, and also I think the pressure she feels from her culture where, you know, as a woman, she was expected to have children. Um, so that's one pressure I think we see. Um, another pressure, I think, is this cultural acceptance of surrogacy. You know, we think this is a bit bizarre. Well, I did anyway. When I read this, I thought, you know, what a weird woman wanting her, giving another woman to her husband to have a baby, you know, to sleep with and have a baby. Um, but it was totally culturally acceptable, you know, to be able to, you know, have this sort of surrogate child. Um, and I think for us, there's two things that we can learn from this. I think, especially as parents, I mean, I think, um, firstly, that there can be a lot of pressure as a parent. Um, and I remember this putting my parents under a lot of pressure sometimes. Um, a particular uh, thing I remember is when I was 17, I passed my driving test, um, funded completely by my parents. And I put them under a lot of pressure to get me a car because it felt like all of my friends were going to have cars and I was going to be the only one and it wasn't good enough that I had passed my test and they'd paid you know however much she wants to take the lessons and blah 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 I really wanted a car and I think you know they and I didn't get one um and I was actually quite upset about that very ungrateful for the fact that they had paid for my theory blah blah, blah. um but I actually think in the long term it was really good that they didn't give in to me putting them under pressure or maybe give in to the fact that some of the other parents at my school who, you know, that they were giving their children cars or lending them their car or whatever. But that my parents stuck by the fact they said they explained to me clearly, Alice, we can't really afford it. Um, and we're happy driving you around when you need to get about. You're going to go to university where you won't need a car. And that's that. Um, so that's one pressure, one way I think is as parents not to give in to pressures your children put on you or perhaps pressures that their sort of peer group um, might uh, make you feel like you ought to do too. Um, and then the other thing I think that's a really, um, really valuable thing to do uh, as with, with children um, is to talk through these sort of cultural norms um, that we uh, are exposed to. Now, not, thank goodness we're not in a world where we, you know, everyone has a surrogate, um, but there are a lot of uh, cultural norms um, that I think we are exposed to, especially children. Um, and I think being able to talk through those with your children um, is a really, really brilliant um, thing to do so that you don't end up creating a bit of a barrier of, oh, I think my parents are just so old and they don't relate to me. Uh, one example I can think of with this when I was a teenager um, was 
sort of boys and girls having mixed sleepovers and it was totally normal you know all my friends went to mixed sleepovers you know it was just standard um and i remember talking about it with my i think it was my dad and him just sort of just going through the idea of how it's important not to give off mixed messages and not to end up in a situation that could be compromising or that you might not be able to handle. And actually that really helped me to see that even though it was sort of culturally acceptable, maybe it still wasn't acceptable to God or, or the best thing to do. Um, so that is what I wanted to share today. Hey everybody, uh, it's great to talk about parenting. I don't really know much about parenting because I'm not a parent, but I know a bit about parenting because I have two great parents and uh, I want to share a bit about sort of some of the stuff I've learned from uh, what they've done for me in my life as parents and uh, sort of what's really worked when I look at the when I look at the Bible. Um, I love Abraham and talking about Abraham and parenting because Abraham as a father and his, and, and his relationships with his son Isaac are so interesting. Um, I, I was recently reading uh, the book of Genesis for my quiet times. And whenever I read Genesis, it always makes me laugh because um, we all know about Abraham and his big sin of lying about his, his wife Sarai being his sister. And uh, whenever I read uh, Genesis, I forget that he does this not only once, but he does it twice and you read it Genesis chapter 12 and then Genesis chapter 20 and you think, have I just read this? Have I just forgotten where I am in my quiet times? Uh, but it happens twice in, in Genesis 12 and Genesis 20 where he, he says his, his wife Sarai is his sister because he's afraid of the king. He's, it's an example of him being faithless. And then what's even funnier is six chapters later in Genesis chapter 26, we see his son Isaac do exactly the same thing as him. And nowhere in the rest of the Bible does anybody do this this same exact sin. But it happens it happens for Abraham and it happens for his son Isaac. And you could almost interchange the um, the names Abraham and Isaac in each of the stories in Genesis 12, Genesis 20, and Genesis 26. And it would read almost the same. And um, I think for me, that really tells me so much about uh, the relationship between parents and children. Um, you know, as I think as children, uh, we inherit the same character strengths and weaknesses of our parents. And uh, I think because of that, there's a great opportunity for you as a parent, if you are a parent, to help your children learn uh, from your character weaknesses, because they probably have the same character weaknesses as you. Isaac had the same character weakness of being deceitful and potentially being faithless in times of uh, in times of fear uh, as Abraham did and uh, I've certainly learned that from my life uh, I think and think of a number of times in my life where uh, my parents have helped me with issues in my character or issues in my heart that needed to be resolved that they understood better than anybody because they had the same things in their heart I I think I look back to when I was growing up as a, a young boy uh, I think about when I was, you know, dad would read the Bible to me uh, age five and we'd look at, you know, dad had the, the old saying, his favourite saying, which was, um, if we don't have God, we'll fall to pieces. And because of that, we really need God. And um, I think because of that, that really instilled in me a need for God. But that was because dad, dad knew that 
and he thought like me because we're you know we're, I'm, I'm his son and in the same way Isaac and Abraham they had the same sort of ways of thinking they both in this situation they both struggled in the same way but dad's conviction about the way that he thought and the way it made sense to him that if without God he'd fall to pieces was exactly what I needed to hear as well and that made sense to me and that really helped me another example I know for me one of my character weaknesses is I can be a very accused uh, guilty person now one another person who's a very accused guilty person happens to be my mum and I remember sometimes at university when uh, I was very I was going through some times of really struggling with guilt really struggling with sort of this, this idea of not measuring up to God. And both my uh, parents were ext- extremely helpful with this because they could speak my language. And my mum had the same character weakness as me of being an accused guilty person. But because of that, it w- she used that to make sure I got the help I needed. And because of that, I could make progress and overcome my guilty accused nature because she understood what was in my nature and she could talk my language and help me to work through what I needed to work through. I think about my relationship with my dad now, and I think about, you know, for me and my dad, we both, in general, have the same kind of vision of uh, our desires of our Christian lives. We both have the same vision of where we want to go in our Christian lives, what we want to achieve, the impact we want to have on the world and on the UK. And I find that really helps me because my dad talks my language. We have a similar character, a similar drive, because I'm his son. And in the same way, uh, Isaac had the same uh, similar sort of character to his dad, Abraham. I have the same character, a very similar character to both of my parents. And my encouragement to you is if you're a parent is make the most of that similarity between you and your children. Make sure that when you see your children's weaknesses, when you see their character flaws, spot that. But then look at it from your own life and use your own experience to help your children. No one can help your children as well as you. You know, I happen to, you know, do a lot of work in the teen ministry and I understand the teens in a different way now. I would have viewed myself as a teen leader a few years ago, but now I'd view myself as more of an overseer of the teens because really the best people to help the teens are their parents because you guys understand the teens because you are in many ways like your teen. And uh, my encouragement for you would be you, you you can make such an impact in your teen's life. You know, you can change your teen's life. You, you, you understand the character struggles of your teen because you've been through them. Maybe you're still going through them now. My encouragement is please make the most of that. You can have such an impact on your teen. You can change your teen's life from the inside out. You can help them skip out a lot of the sort of uh, round, the, round the houses way of, of, of going through life by helping them to go through and, and make good decisions at a young age, which you've, you would have learnt from your lives. I want to read a verse just before I conclude in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And it says, From one man, uh, God, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. There's that idea in there of God set the times and places where we all live. And that means God has set the times and places where you are as parents. And that allows you to have maximum impact on your teens. I hope that's helpful. Teens, actually, could be teens, could be preteens, could be any age. But anyway, I hope that's helpful. That's applicable in many different circumstances. Thank you. Well, I want to finish off with some good news. And that is that God knows that our parenting is not going to be perfect. 
God knows that our parenting, if you've already started, it hasn't been perfect. And if you're in the middle of it, it's not perfect. And as we look to the future, it will continue to not be perfect. Um, because we are not perfect people. We're not going to be perfect in any area of our lives, including as parents. And um, as Ben shared, Abraham and Sarah were far from perfect. In fact, Abraham told half-truths when he said that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. And he did that twice because he was afraid. Um, Alice shared about how Sarah uh, persuaded her husband, Abram, to sleep with her servant. Such a strange thing to do um, in order to have children. So that was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of um, lack of perfection in these, in Abraham and Sarah's actions here. Uh, for me, I've had to learn that um, to be self-aware, really, of my imperfections, that all of us, we have imperfections. We have tendencies in our in our um, personalities, in our characters, which are not always good. And one of mine is that I am one of the world's greatest conflict avoiders. I want to be liked. I want um, to have a happy life. I want people to be happy around me and I don't enjoy bringing things up with people and that included my children and still includes my children um, even when they were little people, very small and right up until now when they're in their 20s I still find it quite hard to bring things up um, and uh, speak up and say what I think needs to be said. Um, in in, uh, in Genesis chapter 12, in verse, verse uh, 4, if we could just turn there. This is just after God has called Abram and uh, he's asked him to go to the land of Canaan. And uh, we see here that Abram has an amazing response. He's very eager to trust God and to obey and it says in verse four, so Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years of age when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan. You know, I think Abram is a great example here of somebody who trusted and obeyed God, even in a situation which mustn't have felt like it made any sense to him. It must have felt really difficult at the age of 75 to pick up his everything he had and to travel to another place, to another country. And yet we see here that he did it straight away. He did it with, with a willingness of heart. And uh, there were no excuses made. I think for all of us as parents, God wants us to trust him, that he, he knows how, how we can best parent our children. He gives us the guidelines. As we all know, the Bible is everything we need to teach our children, to correct our children, to rebuke our children and to train our children in righteousness. As we read in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that familiar passage. And God really wants us to be you know, to be confident and not to avoid issues. 
For me, I always had a tendency to want to turn a blind eye, to pretend I hadn't really noticed when um, they were, my children were either disobedient or disrespectful or naughty in any way. You know, I had a real tendency to want to avoid the conflict, which came with bringing it up. But, you know, for me, the key was, and for all of us, the key is to really decide to trust and obey God in the same way that Abram decided to trust and obey God so that then we can reap um, just the benefits of doing that and the blessings that come with putting God first in that way in our lives. Thanks for listening and watching. I hope you found it useful. That's the last of our series. We are coming to the end of the whole teaching and preaching series at the end of February. And I hope you found this useful as we've looked into the, the faith, the adventure of faith in Faith with Abraham. If you've got any questions, do send them my way. You can leave a message anywhere you hear or see this recording. And as we go into the rest of this year, let's pray that the lessons of faith that we have learned from Abraham and the character surrounding him in the Genesis narrative, that they're faith lessons that will serve us well. Because the faith of Abraham is the same faith we carry today, except that it is made deeper and richer by the fact that we know Jesus Christ and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So until the next time we look at Abraham, I hope you enjoy your adventure of faith. Take care and God bless. Bye.